0: Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Today, I am doing another surprise live podcast. So the experts say you should do your podcasting at the same time and have notifications so people know to join and all that fun stuff. I have just not done that. It's not strategic. I just haven't gotten my schedule in a place where I feel like I can do it at the same time every week. So I need some more planning there. But hey, we're live. The podcast is ready and rolling. Awesome. If you have a question, feel free to hit me up. Um, If you're listening later in the future on the podcast, I do these from time to time. It's live on Facebook, Twitch, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok. Um, So if you're on any of those platforms and want to hit me up, please do so. A couple updates on the company and everything. Um, First off, the fundraiser. So I did a little fundraiser last month. It went great. Uh, Got a handful of people to donate. Got some cool feedback on the floor plans on TikTok. So if you wanted to see those floor plan reviews, please do so. It's all on TikTok right now. If you're not following me on TikTok, it's at Burnham Design Co. um, B-I-R-N-A-M Design Co. It's actually, um, I got so many requests. Not so many, but I got enough requests where I thought I might start adding a new service where I just do a design review so maybe that's a annotated review and a 30 minute meeting after that where we sit where we meet virtually and discuss your plans. so um if that's interesting to you um pay attention i will be adding something soon in the works um for those of you jumping in on tiktok if you have any questions feel free um okay so I wanted to talk about a few things today, some questions I get from time to time. um, And some things that I've recently worked on. So the first one would be, a home edition. I feel like this is something that a lot of people go through in their lives and have a lot of questions about. And so I wanted to be here and answer some of them for you. So what do you need to do a home edition? And this is steps you need to do for a home edition before even hiring a designer or architect or engineer. Um, The very first thing you should do is know your zoning. So wherever you live, your city, county, Um, should have a zoning map. I'm in Valparaiso, Indiana. So I would Google Valparaiso zoning map. Um, Ours is a really nice interactive one. And there are a lot of districts and zones. They've gotten a little more detailed than just like the R1, R2 um, that you used to see. And there's now like neighborhood conservation districts and, and things like that. There's there's a lot of stuff going on with our local code. So what I would say is once, once you get to your map, you will get a code. Um, I was working on a home this week, and the code was NC80, which was Neighborhood Conservation 80, which is roughly the lot with odds are your town does not have a zoning code like that. Um, but remember that number because it will be important for later. I just realized, for those of you watching live, I just realized my headphones were not plugged in at all. So just kind of wearing these for fun, which is cool. You know, everybody desires to do that. Sorry for the interruption. Um, Okay, so on the zoning, you look up your zoning, and then you'll need to go to your municipality so whether that's your county or city and look up the zoning code so it might be called a zoning code it might be called a municipal ordinance ours is called the udo unified development ordinance um this is a giant document that's hard to get through um but if you're ambitious you you will be able to find a lot of very pertinent details about your site so what you're looking for, is specifically if you want to do an addition, what you're looking for are a handful of things. Um, you want to find out the typical required setbacks for your addition. So usually, this is not 100% true everywhere, but usually what happens is in cities and towns, um, you... The home was built, and it may or may not be to their current standards, and it's fine because it's grandfathered in and no one is touching it. If you want to add to your home, most likely they will make you follow the current zoning rules. So you will really want to know, again, before hiring an architect, a designer, anyone, you'll really want to know the required setbacks of your current zoning so the the way you look that up again is the the zoning code municipal ordinance and then lastly you'll need to get a survey so this is um a location survey you're just asking a surveyor okay where is our home relative to our lot lines um and that is the those three things um knowing your zoning looking up the the setbacks in your zoning code and then getting a survey as the core to answering the question of whether or not you can do an addition um one other thing I would look up is maximum height for that area, that zoning code. Um, it, again, if you're in, a, in a, a town that's a little more specific, or if there's like a historical district, there might be um, there might be pretty rigid parameters on the maximum height you can do with additions as well. So, those are a few things I would pay attention to. Um, and then you can find. So once you know your survey where it's at and your zoning you can find whether or not the addition you're planning will fit within your current setbacks if it does awesome you'll probably be able to do drawings and go straight for a permit um, and be fine with that if you do not fit within those setbacks you are in the territory of what would be called a variance so a variance is a formal process um here you would meet with the, the board of zoning appeals. Your city or town might call it something different, but typically you're meeting with some sort of board. They only usually only meet like once or twice a month. Um, and you're asking your city, town, county to vary from their code for your specific lot. And so usually what you need to show is like a hardship. Like um, the lot I bought is abnormally small for this zoning code. So I'm requesting that the side setbacks be smaller than what you have listed and required for, you know, these are the types of arguments you would make in those types of meetings. And variances are tricky because you're meeting with a board of humans. You never know how they're going to react. That's really hard to predict. It varies so much from city to city. So um, with requesting a variance, just, it might be a lot of work and you might pay thousands of dollars and in surveys and things and get some potential plans drawn and, and all, all that to find out that the answer is no, you cannot build what you wanted to build. We don't want to make that exception for you. Um, one thing you'll hear a lot is like, if we make that exception for you, we have to make that exception for everybody. Um, and, and so it, it may or may not work, but, um, if you're planning on going through a variance process, I would say like anticipate time, anticipate frustration, um, anticipate the unexpected, you know, go in ready for anything um, because you know, anything could happen. I've seen good things come from variances and I've seen people get frustrated with them. So um, that would be that I, I would say lastly to like, I don't want to do a ton of additions. So if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I need to email Adam. I've got an addition idea. I might be able to point you to some people that do, but I'm not your guy for additions, but this is just some helpful info to get you all started. All right. What we got people jumping in anybody in on the comments. No questions yet, which is okay you know, sometimes you're live and you got to roll with it. Okay. Another, uh, question I got on the channel this week that I wasn't able to answer, but I figured I would answer it now. Um, how to pick a designer slash architect for your home. Um, so I would say if you're, if you're going with a builder that has their own in-house designer or architect, um, or you're building in a community that are like only allows one builder and they've got only got a set number of plans. I would say just don't fight it. Go with that. The process is going to be better. Um, if you pay an architect to draw something and then take it to that builder that has the in-house people, they're just going to have to redraw it in their system. And there's a lot of things they want to do. Like the reason they have in-house people is so that they can get their drawings dialed in exactly how they want them. And so they don't even really want somebody to come in from the outside. And um draw something different so that would be first off if you're if you're working with a builder you already know your builder um you're working on that front i would say don't even worry about it um you know use their recommendation their in-house people um so if you haven't picked a builder yet or your builder works with um, a bunch of local architects you know whomever i would say um i'm a big vibes guy. <laughs> so um, just the the feeling you get from people and the interpersonal relationship, how you work together, like you should like that and enjoy being around that person and enjoy your meetings with that person. Um, if you want to hire them to do the design on your home. Um, so I, I think there are, um, yeah what was I saying on designer architect? So um, when it comes to personalities, like I think people, their temptation is to jump to the portfolio first or their experience first. And I think those things are important. Um, And I would want my designer architect to be familiar with both the style I'm building and the location I'm building in. Um, I think those are positives, but I think people look at those first and select somebody based on um what they've designed before and without ever meeting them or spending some time with them um and i think the design process even for like i do a set number of revisions so my design processes are relatively short for the industry is concerned and even then i'm spending a lot of time with clients and i would i would think and hope that like clients want to enjoy this part with me and so they they want to have fun and want to be able to bounce ideas off of and my goal is never to like um ram run through any any design idea i have but really work around my clients ideas and kind of assemble for them the home that they want and is coming out of their mouths. so um I would say start with the feel because then when you get into those design discussions and you, you really have somebody you can work with and like is really listening to your ideas um i think you'll get the home that you most want and is designed best around you got a question here from TikTok. thoughts on zip r sheathing actually did it in a home and loved it um so zip r sheathing zip system is by huber woods i think um and so what The zip sheathing is, is it is your air and water membrane is actually adhered to the wood sheathing. So instead of using a product like Tyvek over your sheathing on the exterior, um, it all comes in one panel and then you tape all the joints. um, And go from there. And then the R sheathing adds to that a layer of rigid foam. I think zip ranges from like half inch to two inches. Um, so the R sheathing is adding rigid foam to the um, wall sheathing so that uh, it's all in one system in place goes up right at once. You don't have to do separate steps for something like that. I really love it. Um I love the idea of it for a few things. First off, Zip is um, really good at air tightness, um, so there's very little, like the air can't really permeate those sheets. And then when you tape the joints, um, when you tape the joints well, there's uh, not a lot of air movement through those. Um, so it's it's really good air sealant. And then um, so you have low air exchange, which is a good thing because you're not heating in heating or cooling new air. Um, and then the insulation perspective of it um i love that from the insulation insulation perspective because it's adding what's called a thermal break um and so when you have a typical wall with no rigid foam insulation on the exterior what's happening is you have insulation in that wall but just in the cavity where the stud is you really have no insulation it goes from drywall to wood stud to sheathing To the outside so the heat transfer is actually different at the stud than it is at the cavity where you have the insulation so when you add rigid foam to the exterior whether the section of the wall you're cutting through is filled with um insulation or it's filled with a stud you still have an inch or two of foam on the outside of that stud that's um limiting heat transfer between the interior and exterior. So it's a, it's a really good whole system. Um, I would honestly opt for that way before I'd go like in our area, you're allowed two by four walls. Um, And so people ask about two by six all the time. I would say go for something like the R sheathing or some rigid foam installation exterior, like go for something with a thermal break, over um just a thicker wall that has more insulation in it. Um I feel like that can be a lot more beneficial for you. Okay, and then another thing on zip. So we talked about air tightness a little bit. Um and a lot of builders talk about this like oh homes are getting too tight, it's not it's not good, you're creating mold, mold. homes are too tight and all that. Um there's a lot more people that have done a lot more into the science and even talking a lot more about building science. So Look up like Building Science Fight Club or Matt Reisinger or um, Stephen Bazek, all great sources for the science behind it. But um, I actually think like tightness in home design is air tightness in home design is a good thing. But what you need to pay attention to is your ventilation then. So once you make the home tighter, you no longer have the natural ventilation yeah got the comment there got to add an HRV or ERV right you no longer have the natural ventilation of leaky walls and poor window joints that just like bring in air and that airflow like especially in the like really older homes it kind of helps because the airflow um helps moisture dissipate and doesn't allow for like mold growth so that was the the issue is now that homes are getting tighter though the water vapor was staying in the walls. So you have to add an HRV or ERV that's um, recovery ventilation. So a separate ventilation system that brings in um, outside air to the home. And I know what you're thinking, like, isn't that like a step forward, two steps backward. And it's, it's not really like, yes, the ERV is costing you energy and it's bringing out, bringing in outside air. So it's, something additionally that you need to heat, but the systems are pretty good in that the air leaving your home actually preheats and or pre cools the air that's coming in. So you have this like nice interchange there. So you're not heating or cooling it as much temperature. And then, um, additionally, the units are pretty efficient, but I do feel like it is, it's definitely a step forward, not a step backward. Um, but yeah, you do need to pay attention to that. And then something I'll also mention. So as your home gets better insulated, this is something we noticed. So I live in northern Indiana, um, which is an interesting area of the country. Like it's we do as much cooling in our homes as we do heating. Um, so we're like right at the perfect line in that. Um, and so in the summers, because we had such a well insulated home, our AC would get to 72 or 70 degrees relatively easily and not need to kick on that often. Well, it wasn't very comfortable in there then because um, the humidity would build up. So the temperature would be fine, but because that AC isn't running very often, the humidity would be relatively high and it's like relative to the average AC 72 degrees, it wasn't as comfortable. So I recommend if you're looking into this, look into a whole home dehumidifier as well. Um, again, all, I think all this is a net benefit and good for homes. Um, but I get the skeptics out there. That is a lot to add just to insulate your home better. But I, I honestly do think it's the, the better choice in the end. Just pausing here to look at some questions. All right. Anybody out there got something for me? How's everybody doing today? I never thought I'd be doing so much random noises and singing on my podcast, but here we are. So, (laughs) hi, just got that comment on TikTok. Hi, hello. If you got a question for me, hit me up. Which part of Northern Indiana? I live in Valparaiso. Um, so beautiful, breezy Valparaiso, um, which is about an hour from Chicago. Any thoughts about building on slab when in a northern climate, Quebec? Ooh. Um, my, so if you're thinking about energy efficiency, I would say a slab is probably the easiest way. A slab on grade is probably the easiest way to get a really high performing home. That being said, you need to insulate under the entire slab. I might even recommend doing some radiant heat in that slab. So something that happened, and we all have noticed this: when you step on concrete that's seventy degrees, it feels drastically colder than when you step on wood that's seventy degrees. That's because of the the mass that you're stepping on. There's actually more heat transferring out of your foot um, because the mass of the concrete is bigger than the, the mass of the wood. So, um, so you really wanna pay attention to your floor temperature um, if you're doing slab on grade. Um, so I, w- I would say radiant is a great idea um, for that. Make sure the, the under slab, even if you don't do radiant, make sure the under slab insulation is awesome. Um, you'll want that for sure. But um, I would say it's a great idea there. I was taught that no public space of a home should ever have a direct line of sight to a toilet. True, um, good question. I, I think that's something I try to do in every design. Smaller homes, it gets tougher. Like if you have a thousand square feet on the main floor, um, I try to th- hide the toilet as best as possible, but it gets tricky. You know, with that that powder room's gonna look at something. A thousand square feet is not a lot. Um, so I would say, as a general rule of thumb, yes. Try and keep the toilets tucked away as much as possible. Like if somebody accidentally leaves a door open, are they going to be looking right at it? Um, if so, you might want to think about moving it around. But I can think of a couple examples where it's just like moving the door just isn't feasible, and it's better to just keep that door closed than it is on the on the smaller on the smaller end of design. Um, so I would say that. Um. We're planning on doing radiant in Quebec. That's awesome. Electric, since it's cheap here. Um, I assume you mean the electric blanket and not an electric water heater or electric boiler. Um, but yeah, that is that is awesome. So um, I think it's, yeah, a great way. Um, what you'll miss though, so get a builder that wants to build that way none of the builders I work with want to do a slab. Um, And the reason is it just gets so, so tricky if you're covering a lot of important stuff in concrete, like um, we can't find a single HVAC contractor that wants to do in, in our area that wants to do, um, the HVC in the slab. Um, and that was a method that was pretty common. It used to be. Um, so then if you're slab on grade, everything is through the attic or you're building out a space like, yeah, that's, that's possible. It just gets trickier. And then builders don't like it because the plumbing, if you have any plumbing, that's, um, well, yeah, you wouldn't want any plumbing in your exterior walls. So all the plumbing is then stuck in the floor. If a client ever changes their mind or one dimension is off a couple inches, you have to rip up concrete. If you ever want to remodel, um, just some factors to consider with slab on grade. Um, yes, you could always add a mechanical pit. I forget who I saw it from. Forgive me. This is somebody's Instagram I follow, but they actually did a slab on grade home with like a, I think it was like 60 to hundred feet of full basement in the middle of it that you could do full mechanicals you could stand all the way up in there um and then yeah oh steve basic did it yeah that's probably where i saw it um uh, yeah if you want to follow anybody on um building science good design anything on that front steve basic is awesome um so i would start there but yeah um mechanical pit. So you have a slab on grade, um, that's around most of your home. And then the one section in the middle of the area, you know, call it 10 by 10, 20 by 10, um, is dropped full eight feet to be able to get all your, uh, mechanicals in there, your furnace, water heater, all that fun stuff. We do all our projects with him. Love him. Are you, uh, a builder? Um, yeah, if you do projects with Steve, hit me up. I'd love to hear more. Send me a message on Instagram or something. Um, yeah, we'll talk. That's that's awesome. Yes, Steve is a very cool dude. He came on the podcast once, extremely nice and generous with his time. So yeah, can't say enough good things about him. All righty. Well, we've been live for almost 30 minutes here. Um, if... Anybody has any other questions? I'll leave it open for a couple more minutes. Um, and we can keep it rolling. I'm sorry. I make that noise way too much. It's just a nervous reaction. I know I shouldn't be doing it, especially into a microphone. But yeah, last, last couple minutes here. Um, for... Those of you that don't, I'm on TikTok, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, LinkedIn. It's Burnham Design Co. At all those, it's B-I-R-N-A-M Design Co. Um, So yeah, follow along. Instagram or email on my website is probably the best way to get a hold of me. If you want any questions for the show or just... um, yeah, want to follow up in any way. I'd be happy to hear you out. All righty. Well, looks like got no last minute questions here. So I will wrap up. Thanks again, everybody for joining in. And I look forward to talking again soon. See y'all.